In the collect of this Mass, we pray, mercifully grant that we who reverently meditate upon her sorrows may reap the happy fruit of thy passion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The goodness of God chastises those whom he loves. How often you've been told this by the priests or by your loved ones, yet we still almost always want to question the Almighty's intentions. Does he, after all, take pleasure in seeing us suffer so many and so often? Like St. Teresa of Avila, who, when the axle broke on her wagon while she was being taken across a river, and she and the nuns all fell out of this wagon, landing into the muddy water, we are tempted to cry out with her, If this, O oh God, is how you treat all your friends, it's no wonder that you have so few. But truthfully, the good God has something much, much deeper in mind for all of us when he sends us some sort of hurt or pain. And for our part, we have only to be silent and adore his infinite wisdom without desiring to fathom it. It's easy to see now in hindsight and after hearing many centuries of the Church Fathers on the subject, why God would have permitted the widow in today's gospel, the proper last gospel, to go through such excruciating trials of grief and of sadness. There was an unusually sad character surrounding the event, this funeral procession. It was an event that caused many, many people, a great crowd, to take part in the funeral procession. The only son of a widow was dead. And this widow, helpless, elderly, and alone, was left to drag out the rest of her years, pining over her buried hopes, one author put it. But as I said, it's easy for us in hindsight to understand why God permitted it. First, he permitted this grief for the widow so that he, Christ, moved with mercy and with compassion could raise her son back to life and thus give to all the crowd present and to all future generations one of the greatest proofs of our Lord's divinity. Only the true God, after all, can bring the dead back to life. And then secondly, he permitted this grief to show God's compassion toward widows and then to teach us to take care of them, and that to neglect or take advantage of them is something that God finds absolutely detestable. In Exodus, it says that the tears and cries of widows will rise up to God 
who will terribly punish the injuries inflicted upon them. But it isn't always easy to see, in the very moment at least, the reasons why we, you and I, must go through so many adversities. And it wasn't easy either for today's dear saint, Joseph Cupertino, who so badly wanted to enter the Franciscan order. The poor saint, even before the cradle, he had nothing going for him. He was always sickly, near death's door because of it. His parents almost couldn't stand him because of the sickness. He was ignorant and all of the rest. Well, when he grew up a little bit, he tried several times to enter the, the monastery and finally succeeded. But while he was there, he was such a trial to all the others, both the superiors and his fellow friars, that he was finally asked to leave. And one writer in his biography put it thus, it looked as if heaven and earth had conspired against him. St. Joseph Cupertino used to say about that incident that when they deprived him of his habit, it was as if they had torn off his skin. It was the heaviest cross that he ever had to endure. But that very day, he would be loaded with many more. You see, on the road outside of the monastery, that's when he finally realized, well, I have lost some of my lay clothes. He had no hat, no boots, no socks, and his coat was moth-eaten and worn out. Well, he continued his journey down that road, and as he passed a stable, he was attacked by dogs, tearing what was left of his clothes into even greater tatters. Well, escaping the dogs, Joseph just continued to trudge along. He passed some shepherds who, when they saw him, they thought, well, this is a suspicious character. He must be up to something. And they were going to beat him up. But thankfully, one of them showed pity and let him pass. And scarcely had he left that scene when going a little farther, he met a nobleman on horseback and this nobleman was about to turn in Joseph to the police until he finally, looking at Joseph, realized he was just too stupid to do any harm and he let him go. After all of that, in the very same day, at long last, he came to the village where his uncle lived. There he hoped to find a welcoming face and maybe a job. But the uncle turned on him, and he said all sorts of hurtful things and finally pushed him back into the street, refusing any help at all. Now St. Joseph had only one place to go, back to his mother's house. So he returned where he was welcomed by the insults of the very mother who bore him. She cried out, you've been expelled from a house of religious. 
You've brought shame upon us all. You're good for nothing. We have nothing for you here. Go away. Go to prison, go to sea, go anywhere. But if you stay here, there is nothing for you but to starve. Now, to us, when we read that about St. Joseph Cupertino, we find it a bit entertaining, I, I suspect, because of the saint that it is. But it was not funny that day to St. Joseph of Cupertino. It was pain. It was sadness. And he must have been terribly discouraged that day and probably wondered what God was doing. Why does God put us through suffering? Couldn't he make us good without plunging us into pain and misery? Well, the answer is yes, he could, but he doesn't will it that way. He is the Lord, and we have only to be silent and adore his infinite wisdom without trying to understand too deeply. That being said, we can know, in general, God's purpose in allowing suffering. Suffering is the means by which we are saved. St. Paul tells us that no one is crowned unless he strive lawfully. And our Lord said elsewhere, the Gospel of St. Matthew, He that taketh not up his cross and followeth me is not worthy of me. And in the Catechism Explained, it's a very great book, it says, Not to suffer is a sign that no future happiness is in store for you. Suffering and holiness are inseparably bound together. There is no good work that does not meet with obstacles, no virtue that does not have to fight and struggle. And so for this reason, God leaves no just man without suffering. Suffering leads to salvation. Second, God sends sufferings to sinners to convert them. St. Teresa of Avila said that sufferings, though very hard to bear, are the surest way to God. And in sickness, the Catechism says, God knocks at the door of the heart and asks for admission. St. Ignatius used to always say, Ignatius of Loyola, I am always glad when I see a sinner fall ill, for sickness brings back to God. And God finally sends suffering to even good men, holy men, as opportunities to prove that they love God more than anyone else. And at the same time, these trials are opportunities to do penance for our sin. I always think of the prayer, it's an indulgence prayer, of Cardinal Mary Del Val. He said, whenever he suffered, try it. He said, Lord, I deserve to suffer these things because I have sinned. These sufferings 
increase our merit for heaven. To see that, we need faith. And St. Francis Xavier said, Think yourself happy if you can exchange the agonizing pains of purgatory for sufferings in this world. And then, to quote St. Ignatius last of all, When God sends us some great trouble, it is a sign that he designs great things for us and desires to raise us to great holiness. Now the practical part. When you look and see your own sufferings, what you must try never to do is to dwell unhappily in a self-pitying manner on these pains, but turn your thoughts to Our Lady of Sorrows, to whom it was said, Thy own soul a sword shall pierce. From the first sorrow to the last, the sword of Simeon's prophecy cuts steadily, deeper and deeper into her heart, bringing her always new suffering. The will of God tried her everywhere, and everywhere it found in her the most entire conformity. You know, some say that it required a miracle to keep the Blessed Virgin Mary alive during her sufferings, but it did not require a miracle for her to practice the patience and to endure under such suffering. That was not a miracle. Rather, it was a matter of grace. And so also, for every cross that you must endure, plenteous grace is offered you that you may bear up. So, with this last thought, I say, Stand prayerfully with Our Lady at the foot of the cross, because there you'll find a mother who will sympathize with you, for she knows what pain is. And through her, you will obtain all the courage and every grace that you need to carry your burden all the way to paradise. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.